0: If, sir, you when folding. Whenever I you started, you able to get up. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was
1: gold time. So, um, home
0: economics. All right. Welcome to another edition of Living a Big Life. I'm your host, Rich James, and here on Exposed Radio today, we're going to talk about some uncomfortable conversations. Um, As I mentioned here on Living a Rich Life, we intend to inform, inspire, and remind each other to live a rich life. And we do that based on six principles. Good health, strong relationships, financial freedom, goals and achievement, extraordinary experiences, and philanthropy. Today, our topics of discussion are going to come across um, you know, some folks really don't have the knack for it, they don't have the ear for it, they don't believe it. Uh, we have two, actually three panelists, one's gonna join us later. Um, so let's, 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 as I like to say, let's talk about it. Uh, my first panelist, she is a leadership coach, a public speaker, and founder of GEMS, uh, help me out, uh, Miss Lanice Stevenson. Welcome, thanks for joining.
2: Hello, hello, hello.
0: Um, and our second panelist that's here with us today he is the CEO and founder of Stand Up Baltimore, Mr. Derek Chase. How are we doing, Mr. Chase? Uh, of the day, Rich. I'm living a rich life. I'm Paul <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's, that's that old school term. That's that old school term. No question. Um, so first and foremost, I want to thank you both for joining. This is um, uh, part two of Uncomfortable Conversations. Um, I had some other panelists. Uh, several weeks ago and figured um, with the recent events it might be time to, to have that discussion again. Um, what I would like to do is kind of get your thoughts, your opinions, um, and feelings on you know certain things, racism being one of them, um, police brutality, the upcoming elections, um, and some socioeconomic views, and anything else that comes to mind that you think we should um, discuss. So that's the plan for today. So I want to again thank you for joining and uh, let, let, let's get started. Um, first and foremost, and we'll start with you, Lanice, Um, You know, let's start with uh, how, how as an individual, have you been holding up during these crucial times um, while dealing with concerns of racism, police brutality do, during the pandemic? So how, how are things going with you right now?
2: The way in which I would um, explain that is that I have had to find anchors in my life, things that I have control over or can control a little more than other things. And I, I like to stay on those things. So I use meditation. I practice yoga. Um, I always eat healthy. Um, and then I just give myself permission to experience the full emotions of whatever is happening. What I used to do was I would just ignore, let's say, you know, Freddie Grace, um, Uh, passing, everything that happened with that, I would kind of just ignore it, stay cerebral, think of, um, you know, how can we go into action um, without taking in the emotional heartbreak of those things in my community. I was always about, let's just act, let's just act. At this point, I recognize that I can't truly be empathetic unless I fully experience whatever that incident is, and that I listen to the people who are most impacted by it. So to answer your question, I mean, you can literally sit and choose a topic because there are so many things happening right now. So if you talk about COVID, I have now had personal relatives that have been impacted by COVID. Mm-hmm. One of them passed away. And so instead of me saying, well, I'm so sorry to passed away, this and that, what can we do to help? I experienced that moment of pain, because I have to live in these experiences. But then I don't stay in those moments. That's why I use, you know, meditation and yoga to help me to get through them. Um, But it is so important for us to have those communal experiences.
0: Gotcha, Um, the experience experience kind of changes your your thought pattern there. Uh, Mr. Chase, tell us. uh, How have you been holding up during these, again, you know, these concerns? We have these concerns of racism, police brutality. How are you holding up during this pandemic with this, um, you know, this current situation we're in? You you
1: know what, Rich? It's the same situation that I found myself walking to Morgan's campus in in 1990. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I've never stopped driving uh, change and transformation uh, since I've been introduced to uh, the fact that there was a struggle. So I really didn't have to change anything, you know what I'm saying? Um, You know, my life, I've dedicated, literally dedicated my life to how do we uh, transform ourselves, uh, you know, first as individuals, uh, dedicating myself to myself, uh, and then dedicating myself through the process of expanding that from myself to family, from family to the community that I have relationships with, including inspiring other people to be a part of you know, the fight um, to you know the larger community, to state, federal, local, and internationally. So I've been engaged in that my entire life. So I really have not had to change anything, to be honest with you, bro. I mean, it's just you know good to see other people, um, you know, having the opportunity or taking the opportunity to demonstrate that they they too have the ability to impact um, transformation and change. So it's been, uh, you know, good just to watch other people to kind of join in directly, even though you know people have always indirectly done things. We're more right. in a more direct action
0: space. So I haven't done anything different. Okay. Well, well, that's that's. I, I think that's a good segue, right? So, from your perspective, you know, we, we're doing things, and some folks are coming on board, um, but there's some things that, as Black people, we're we're struggling with, and people for some reason. Um, And I'll say, you know, either it's white folks, they don't understand when it comes to the black community. And and what do you feel is necessary? And and Chase, I'll start with you this time. What do you feel is necessary to ensure the police nationwide follow protocols for decency and fairness when it comes to the treatment of black people? Well, I I think that, you know,
1: the the way that America works, um, America works by virtue not of its uh, of its heart but its pocketbook all right mm. so first and foremost we 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 must uh, make it a national policy for police to have uh, the same level of insurance that doctors carry um, that you know anybody that's responsible for life and death all right mm-hmm. even if you're driving your vehicle right you have to have personal insurance right to drive a car. So we first and foremost have to require as a national policy, all police officers uh, who are up for the challenge of
0: being a police officer to carry uh, that insurance. All right. But well, let, let's, let's. I know that, so let's pause there. So uh, Lanice I see you shaking your head and and I'm, I'm kind of like, that's fascinating. I've never heard anything. That's, that's one reason I have you on here, Chase. The insurance yeah. piece, what are your thoughts on that? Do you agree with having some level of insurance for police officers?
2: I think the vetting process for police officers should change. I think the people who are in power in policing should not be there. Because most of the time they have been career officers who have been promoted because they've been fighting crime. But the way in which they've been fighting crime has always been aligned with the politics of the day, right? Mm -hmm. When black uh, children were super predators, police officers who were managing those super predators and putting them in jail, They were promoted as a result of doing those things. I think we need to go back to, well, I I can't even say go back because if we go back, we're going back to the same thing. We need to move forward. And one thing, like what D-Chase was saying, economics rules the day, period. So we have to have economic power, not just political power, as we saw when President Obama was in office. He was in office, but there were still things that was happening. And it was because we are not the ones who are, funding the lawmakers funding the politicians the way we should so the laws that are made the laws that are enforced they are not aligned with us the system was made so that we could not have equal access to those and that's, so,
0: and that's us and that's us as black people so because i also heard venting venting the police all right so so i, I want to go back to chase because i want you to finish your thoughts so the insurance piece i heard two things now insurance vetting the actual individuals trying to become police officers you want to finish your thought chase or was that yeah yeah no 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 all. i
1: mean you know so in all transparency you know i've had uh a i've had a very interesting perspective uh because i after the after the riot after the uprising in baltimore i became the uh facilitator for officer wellness for sergeants through commissioners for baltimore city public for Baltimore City Police. So I had the opportunity not only to be a community activist, but to be behind the blue wall and have those very direct conversations with those officers, to be in their personal space, to be uh, 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 able to probe them in a way uh, where uh, very few people get that opportunity. So um, going back to the question, the second thing is, is training, all right? Uh, If you are going to be a doctor, okay, uh, at minimum, you're going to go through eight years of training to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be a police officer. All right. And hold life and death in your hands. You're going to go through six weeks of training. You're going to be put on the street. You're going to be expected to know how to manage all kinds of situations. All right. That's. That's not just unfair to the community. that's really unfair to police officers right. Mm-hmm. So there is uh, the level of training um, because the police uh, were crafted literally uh, as uh, as a uh, as a counterpunch to slavery uh, to support uh, runaway the runaway slave phenomena right? There's always been uh, uh, an element, uh, well, not even an element, you know, at the foundation of uh, American policing, right, is and lies racism. Mm -hmm. And because the police officers are following the policies that are being established nationally uh, by virtue of the state, as well as by virtue of the city. So the other part of uh, this in which we have to look at, uh, we have to look at modern day policing and we have to look at that not as a process of managing uh, 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 Black people in particular or poor people to stay in certain areas, all right, uh, and not get out of control. But we have to look at uh, uh, policing in a manner of, um, making sure that when there is a crisis, okay, and this gets into how policing is funded, uh, that the right people are responding to the crisis. So we have to rethink policing, all right? Uh, every uh, Everything that happens is not a police issue. If me and my wife are in a fight, I don't need the damn police, right? What is the police gonna do to two people who love each other today who fight tomorrow and love each other again the next day, why is a police officer there? So we have police officers, again, responding to uh, 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 issues and calls where it should be someone else. We should have a family crisis division of the police department when there is a domestic dispute, that's who's called, all right? So without going through every aspect of, you know, police reform, uh, if we just focus on those three things, um, looking at, uh, uh, as I said, uh, the department how it's funded, me reorganizing it to be able to respond to very specific issues. Uh, if we can look at that, if we can look at the training element, um, ensuring that the training is longer, as well as, for instance, if you uh, break your uh, your hip, um, you know, you go through an orthopedics doctor, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have the same police officer responding to everything and it should reflect the same way in the police department, right? And then um, you know, last it goes back to what I said. Uh people are accountable when they know that their personal bottom line is affected. Right. If I know that uh although I may want to slap the shit out of this child, but if I know I'm gonna get sued, good chance I'm not gonna slap the shit out of this child. You know I mean? <laughs> I'm gonna follow something else. So police officers need to feel that pressure and not only feel that pressure because it's not just you know, I'm not anti-police. Let me go on a record. I sure. am not anti-police, all right? <clears throat> I am I am pro-community, all right? So mm-hmm. pro-community gives me the ability to, to see things with a very transparent lens and to associate uh, 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 responsibility where I see it. Because just in the same manner, and I'll, I'll close on this, that police must be accountable to policing. Community has to be responsible for managing itself. Right. When you have a community that does not self-manage, now you're asking for an outside force, all right, to come in and to do for you what really you should have things in place for yourselves. So I'll 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 leave on that note, not leave the uh, uh no, no. conversation, but I'll exit uh on, on that note. Okay. Let so, me you wanna add yeah, something I, yeah, I want
2: to ask you a question because when we talk about communities being able to manage themselves, but then we look at the disinvestment of communities and the overinvestment of other communities that leaves certain communities at a disadvantage automatically, and then we blame the victim. And so until we have uh, equity, not even equality, but equity in terms of funding and things like that, how can we hold certain communities responsible when their needs are not met? The funding just doesn't give them enough to meet their own need.
1: Right. So I'll I respond by that by saying, with no disrespect, um, if you look at black folks, okay, in 1865, right? Yep. So there is the Emancipation Proclamation that takes place in 61, 62, whatever the year, 61, I believe. All right. And then there's the passing of the 13th Amendment that happens in 1865. Two very different things. Because emancipation, the emancipation proclamation did not free all slaves, all people held in the conditions of slavery. The emancipation proclamation allowed those people who were fighting, who were fighting on the side of the north to be free. If you were in the state of Maryland in 1864, you were still under the conditions of slavery. All right. So now you have the 13th Amendment. Okay. And when we look at the 13th Amendment, and when they ask those brothers and sisters, what do we need to We need to give you, all right? Uh, this is where the whole idea of 40 acres and a mule comes from. What do you need uh, for, for you to have freedom? And first thing they said, give us land. You give us land and we will be free, all right? We will self-manage, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, we all know that that did not happen. That land was granted and it was taken back. But this is what did happen, all right? So between 1865 and 1877, black folks began to control every aspect of their lives, all right? Went into something that's called black reconstruction, elected their own officials all the way up to, uh, you know, some people even say president, vice president, senators, congressmen, local officials, right? And what happened is, because they understood their power of the, of the numbers, they utilized the power of being in the majority, okay, to access and allocate resources. Now, in a city like Baltimore, that is still very much possible, all right? Why? Because we are still 66% of the population, and that's racial. That doesn't even take into consideration those of us or those of other people who would align because they have a similar story and a similar need that may not have been, uh, would not be classified as African-American, all right? So it's not so much of what someone will do for us that'll change us. It's the power that we recognize that we already have to organize ourselves that changes everything for us. Give you another clear example, all right? Okay, how much money do you have in your bank account? Don't tell me, all right? How much money do you have in your bank account, Rich? Don't tell me, all right? How much money do I have in my bank account? Now, we all, we all three of us know each other, okay? Now, collective economics will tell us, okay, let's put our money together and let's control some aspect of our lives. I don't need a loan from anybody. I'll have enough money if we practice collective economics I have enough money already to do what I'll go out of my community to ask for so when when you are self when you are self-determined people all right you determine the quality of your life based upon the quality of your relationships right so black people have a relationship deficit they do mm-hmm. not have an economic deficit they have a trillion dollars they don't need to ask for anything else. We just mm. don't have the understanding of what it means to be a quality community. We don't function as community. So therefore, we always are looking for some form of outside interference, some money that's going to be tied to some form of string that again we will have to manage. All right. We would have to manage that relationship because with every bit of money there comes a string. All right. So I just don't believe in this idea that we represent some powerless people who always need somebody to rally, to write a bill, to give us what we already have. Mm-hmm. A man, if you walk into my house, all right, And you plan to control uh, my my household and my family, I guarantee you, I'm gonna do one or two things, all right? I am going to take control of my house, all right? Or I am going to die in the process. So that is a different level of manhood and womanhood. So black people in this country do not function out of the space of true, authentic power that that taps directly into their woman, their God given manhood, and their God given womanhood. We just don't respond like that. Mm.
0: Lenice made a lot of lot of points there. You wanna you wanna wanna say something back?
2: I I study life through the ecological systems theory. So I look at ecosystems, mm-hmm. And of course, our kids have been privileged. I mean, we have, we are all privileged people on this call. However, I was an educator for many, many years and I'm at Hopkins right now. So I see privilege and down the street, I see something very, very, very different. And so if we, if I can go out my door and I can find, I can go down the street and support my black business and that black business is providing food healthy food for me people in 21215 don't have that there's a reason why that business was able to be there that person had resources i had resources i get what you're saying dee but in the hood most of the time how much are those people making they're not even at the poverty level so and who are they giving their money to they're giving because I grew up with 212. I so, think so so, so. so hold on. So hold
1: no, on. let's no, so hold on. On. I grew up with 212. Right. And when I grew up there,
0: all of the sports were Look, <laughs> look. So Chase, Chase, so hold you on. You so I, knew now. That, I, I knew that was coming. coming. Let's pause. Pause, Chase. Okay, pause, right? Pause. Right? So this this is good conversation. And, and for those that are just tuning in, we are talking um about social economics. We went from uh, police brutality. Which kind of trickles on the to social economics. And um I, I knew that was coming, Chase, because I know Chase grew up in the 21215. Um and in the point that you made earlier, though, as a people, we we know our economic worth, some of us, if not most of us now in this day and time, but it's a matter of folks really coming together from that that relationship spot. So I'm gonna let Lenise, she's gonna finish her comments, then Chase, as you get ready to uh uh, who, who, who's, who's going to soccer practice? Sion? Oh, you're on mute, Chase.
2: You're on
0: mute. You're, on mute. Okay you're, on, here. you're still on mute. Monty, take him off mute. Hey, Messiah, Messiah, Messiah is going to practice. Messiah is going to practice. All right, so we're going to, you get ready to get in the car stay on because don't make me come get you. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm right there. All right, so Lanice, so, go ahead. Finish your thought. One
2: of that Chase made was that we all have money in the bank. Very true. We all can put our money together. I could put invest my money from my bank account right now in a new business. I've done it over and over and over again. But you can't dismiss that I had access to certain things. Now I don't have to go to a bank at this point. I had to build a business to make enough money. I had to know how to start a business. I had to have people who were around me who knew how to do that. There are a lot of things that got us where we are. And granted, I know that Chase was in 21215. But, Chase had access to. I don't care what he says. So, if we, if I am now, right now, today, living in 21215, and I am on social services, I'm receiving SNAP benefits or whatever, I don't have access to enough black businesses within my proximity to recycle my money. What I'm saying is there's a barrier in place. How do we get black businesses to be able to be in certain areas, and how do those lead those areas to thrive? Until we tackle that, and I get what Chase is saying, but there are so many things. And if two, one, two, if Park Upper Park Heights is getting money, and you look at how many people they are on social services, and look at how their communities look, and you come across Northern Parkway, and you have people who are also on social services, but their neighborhoods don't look like that. There's something wrong. When you look at the allocation of resources for those communities, and granted, I am excluding the fact that they also have generational wealth in, you know, D-town. But I want to hear what Chase has to say about that. Rebuttal. You can't hear you. You got to unmute yourself. Money, take them
0: off. Take him off, Monty.
2: Uh-oh.
0: We want uh All right, so... Yeah, we want to hear from Chase now. Okay. Got a uh, messed up, but while, while Chase is getting uh, situated, because um, again, mon you can take him off mute. But he, he, here's here's my thought, or here's my question, right? It has to start somewhere, I think. Within, again, oh. should, all right, there go Chase. Chase, you ready to get a your comment back? Yeah, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. So
1: here's the response. We cannot argue. No one can argue that we have not. Gotten what we're supposed to get in this country. I'm not arguing that point. Okay. All right, that's clear. I mean, you know, we can we can just start with slavery. You know, just the fact that we were forced to do something for 300 years and receive nothing, didn't have the ability to transfer transfer wealth. Um, because of the conditions of slavery. Um, we have then met with a federal law in 1877. Compromise of 1877 that allows um, the states uh, to create laws to put us back in another form of uh, chainless slavery and allows an organization such as the Ku Klux Klan to um, terrorize us for 100 years, uh, denying us not only um, liberty, uh, but literally denying uh, us our lives, uh, because what people don't understand about the Jim Crow era is that the uh, Ku Klux Klan assassinated 17,000 black leaders. They didn't just, they weren't just assassinating, they weren't just assassinating people. They were assassinating the politicians. They were assassinating the preachers. They were assassinating uh, 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 anyone with the civil organizations. They were assassinating the entrepreneurs. And it was legal for them to do so. So they terrorized us for a hundred years, all right, literally, and assassinated our leaders, uh, both on a national scale, but also on a local scale. Then we go into on 1964, where there's some element of opportunity where we're supposed to get an equal share with the Civil Rights Bill. So they recognized uh, within the Civil Rights Bill that when they did the report uh, in 1964, they um, they came back with what's called a policy of benign neglect. Neglect. So what benign neglect is, is that your problems are so, uh, 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 they are are so uh, intense that we don't have or don't have the will to resolve them. So what we will do is have a policy where we'll act like they don't exist. And we'll leave you in the condition that you're in and not help you. All right. That is the policy of America, 1964, after the, uh, uh, the 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 study on poverty that was done by Lyndon Johnson. So right after that, it goes into an assassination period where they assassinate Mega, they assassinate Martin, they assassinate uh, Malcolm X. They leave us in another leadership crisis. And in the midst of that leadership crisis, there's a black power movement that rises up that not only threatens the uh, the, the, the the America that uh, uh, that is local or, or national, but there is an international element that, that, that there's a threat upon. So the Central Intelligence Agency becomes involved and what they begin to do is to create a policy where they begin to drug our communities. Okay. So from 1969 up until the current time, there's been a constant attack in the form of drugs to destabilize our communities, so there will never be an argument from me, all right, that they don't owe us. But one of the things that I always tell uh, people is, if you're going to take it, if you're going to go and fight a championship fight, then you better train, all right. And if you don't have top-notch facilities, all right then you better train with what you have. Mm. And if you train with what you have and be a people of faith, God has already determined that we are the victors. If my people who are called by my name would just humble themselves and pray, all right? We seek and go back to our original selves. God has already positioned us, all right? Although we may be one of the quote unquote Uh, We're not even that. We just think of ourselves as not one of the wealthiest people in America. Technically, we are. We are the most well-educated, homogeneous people in America, Mm -hmm. in particular black women. The most educated, homogeneous group in America. Mm -hmm. Understand that the Latino community is not a homogeneous community. They're Colombians. They're Venezuelans. They're El Salvadorians. They're not a homogeneous community. We look at them as Latino. They're not just one community. They are multiple communities. However, those of us who are the sons of former slaves, and who are the sons of former slaves, we are a homogeneous group, and we are one of, if not the largest, homogeneous groups in America. But what my point is, we are the most educated. We are the only group, all right, of the quote-unquote minorities who have a college system of over 140 colleges that have been dedicated to our struggle, all right, that are in positions right now to take the brain power that is in those universities, all right, and the resources that are in those universities and attack our problem. We don't have a resource problem. We have a strategy problem and we have a leadership problem. So Mm. those people who have thought about this for in my generation, all right, it is time for us to come to power. Now, I'm speaking as, the I, I declared myself on October 3rd, 1997, as the first president of the world, all right, and the ambassador to Mars. But the qualifier for that is that I have to emerge as the leader of Black people. So today, I've never ran for this office, but I've just elected myself today. What's, what's the day, son? Whatever day it is, October 26th. 26th. October, I mean, August twenty-six, two 2020, I have just elected myself by a vote of one to nothing as the leader of Black America. Now, as y'all leader, I'm not speaking to y'all no more as an equal. As y'all leader, what I'm simply saying in the words of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, Booker T. Washington, you know, cast your buckets where you are. Mm. In the words of, Marcus Garvey, rise up, you people. All right. In the words of Dr. King, dream mm. in the words of Malcolm X. Don't turn the other cheek. Fight with those who fight with you. Mm. In the spirit of all of the ancestors that we've had, I come to you in that spirit. And as your leader, we're not only going to get what we what what has been promised to us, all right. We're going to give ourselves what we have what we must promise ourselves. Okay. We're not gonna get what was taken for us, taken from ourselves, but we're gonna get what we have what has been promised to ourselves. So, you know, so, we just have we just have to unify. We have to unify yeah. ideas. I mean there's a plan in place, a working
0: plan in Fact. place right now. So Fact. I'll be quiet. I'll be quiet no no, no no so i, I, you I you know, first, so first I always enjoy talking to Chase. I always enjoy talking because just, you know, the, the, the conviction, the power and, and the words, they're, they're, they're moving on top of the actions that I, I see this brother doing. Now, my thing is, right? How, how, how for those that are not as fortunate, uh, not as driven, right? Not as driven as you, not as driven as me. Because again, I, I, I come from Marble Hill Projects, New York City, I know all about food stamps, all that good stuff. My mother came down to college, Morgan State University, wanted me to have an education. She paid cash money the first year. And I had opportunities to go to other schools with scholarships, but I chose Morgan because it was a black school. But she came down here, paid cash money, went home with $3 in her pocket. That's what she'll tell you. But she paid the whole tuition for the entire year. You know, Lenise you know, you have a story as well. How do we get those individuals that feel that, again, what we've been through as a people, all they have in their mindset, right? Because I think this is a, a, a result of behavior that, again, was instilled with us. Why, you know, why black folks are always fighting with black folks, why are we uh, are not a collective like we should be, because ultimately, as a collective, we would be and I hate using the word my minority and majority, but we would be the majority if we acted as a collective in, in all areas. What's your thoughts on that? Woo,
2: first of all, let me give a church round of applause to D because he took us back through history. I'm like over here saying it with him. Yes, brother, give it to him because he can break it down in a very simple way, the major things that have happened. And I'm so happy that he talked about The CIA and their mission to ensure that our communities were filled with drugs. So, number one, we have to become healthy. You can't do anything without being healthy. And remember when we, the first question that you asked me was, How am I dealing right now? And I said, I have to anchor myself in things that I can control prayer, meditation, yoga, those things. But anyway, to get back to your question, we have to be able to number one, meet people where they are. And I say that, I'm gonna go back to to actualize or operationalize what I'm saying. So I've been studying the education system for 20 years. I was a product of the education system. Education did a lot for me. But as I started to study education as a whole system, I started to really be able to deconstruct it and understand institutional whiteness. The reason why I did so well in education is because I started to adopt some of those philosophies and beliefs along the way. I had to unlearn those things. And I'm still, it's a continuous process because some of my thoughts, I'm like, whoa, that don't make any sense. And it's not egregious kind of thoughts, but those those thoughts of superiority and supremacy do come in to play. So the very first thing we have to do is change the systems that interact with our children every single day. Because if those systems, and they are, made to ensure that our children do not feel like they belong, and we talked about belonging before, mm-hmm. that they are not getting the resources that they need. You can't talk about drugs being infused into a community unless you're talking about children who were born addicted to drugs and may have problems that they need addressed. If you're not talking about the breakdown of the family and now the children have problems that they need to address serious and the deed the whole point of what i was saying about disinvesting in communities it also has to do with the amount of money that's going to those schools and if the schools are not getting the resources that they need then the children that are then maturing to be adults don't have not just the money and i wasn't talking about resources as just in money i'm talking about training if baltimore is run by black people but we still have black people that have all the issues you gotta help me with this because the black people are in power well they look like they're in power so mm-hmm. i just we have to be able to go back to the basics and to train i agree d we do have to train people but they have to see that something is wrong right a lot right. of times people don't even see that something's wrong
0: which, which, with that, and that's that, that's an excellent point, which which leads me again to the whole when it comes to racism, right? So now we, we talk about Black Lives Matter, right? Because Black Lives Matter. You have those I'll individuals, you, you, you got folks that say all lives matter, but you know, Black Lives Matter because Black Lives are the ones that's in danger, right? Is that a, is that a safe, what, what are your thoughts on that comment, Chase, right? Black Lives Matter. But then you have individuals that say all lives matter. So, you know,
1: the interesting part about um, Black Lives Matter is I understand it. But when I look at um, what's happening out in, in um, Portland, I don't know what that is. That's not mm. our struggle. Right. So, if that's Black Lives Matter, I'm not part of it. If, right, if that's, right, if, if, right. I'm not, that's not, that's not, when you study the leaders of our people, all right? So I'm an avid student of history mm-hmm. and I believe that we've had scholars who've given us a clear pathway forward. And in a clear pathway forward, what they, what a lot of what they're doing right now is not a part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that is great that they have agitated uh, uh, and have a listening ear. But when I see the black lives matter being commercialized in the NBA When I see Black Lives Matter being commercialized in the NFL, when I can go into 7-Eleven and I can, I don't know who even actually even made the face mask and it says Black Lives Matter, like, what now, what? Like, Mm -hmm. so you decentralize our struggle again? Okay, you, you, George Soros gave $150 million to the Black Lives Matter movement. $150 million. All right. uh, McKinsey, uh, Delray McKinsey. All right. Who is right out of Baltimore? Is a part of the inner circle. When the last time you have seen him? When the last time he's created a sat down with the leaders who are in Baltimore to crap a strategy to elevate uh, the city of Baltimore, let alone black people in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Uh, some aspect of it I, I respect. But again, when you go back fundamentally at the document, when you look at the document that was published. And the original website,
0: mm-hmm. I have
1: some concerns.
0: Right. I have some it's, concerns because I don't know what you're fighting for. As, as 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 do I. As do I. I mean, I think the concept of Black Lives Matter and that and that that's it. Because we know it is an organization, but they wouldn't get no money from me because again, I'm not necessarily sure and clear on what your objective is. So that's that's as in. Did you want to comment oh, on that? Yeah, I would.
2: So black lives do matter. And it is important to proclaim that I don't, I'm not saying that we should support that organization, but what I am saying is we should support whatever policies and practices in our local community are translating into black lives mattering. So I don't, one thing that I do appreciate about it, cause I'm in the inner circles of superintendents and the school districts across the country. I know that all that protest and all that chaos that has happened has catalyzed a mindset shift We have made it an imperative, a moral imperative, to ensure that learning spaces, and you know, the school is nothing but an extension of the community. The -hmm. learning spaces and the communities where those schools sit are getting what they need. So I cannot dismiss the uh, impact of the protest, the impact of putting Black Lives Matter in spaces where white people become uncomfortable. So when, Trump is a name. You no because it actually, I'm trying to tell you, I sit and I talk to superintendents and we talk about this. And I have been doing this work forever. And that does not happen. I sit in leadership councils at Hopkins and we actually don't just talk about it. It has created a space where we now can mobilize and do the things that I've been yelling about for years. So I, I think that I, the organization is one thing Go but ahead. the idea the idea that black lives matter absolutely
0: so so let me let me let me let me say let me say this so that's that's an excellent point in which you know having that in front of white folks who are quick to say all lives matter because all lives do matter but the black lives are the ones that's in danger hence black lives matter um why is it that folks and i will we'll say you know, white Some white people, when it comes to black people, they struggle with um, certain things and being compared. Now, now, stay with me on this one. White folks smoking weed, they were called hippies, right, <laughs> back in the days, right? Um, black folks smoking weed, they, they now thugs. Um, whites on welfare, they were considered poor. Blacks on welfare, they were considered lazy, right? And I, this is a favorite of mine. Cause we all college educated girls going wild y'all remember girls going wild oh yeah i do girls going wild those were good old college days now we have black women twerking a, a, a dance and they're called hordes, right and here is a good leading to to what i'm talking about the police brutality um whites torch cop car and all i'm not making this up, right this all has part. this has all happened part. White, white coat, white cops. While well, whites torch cop cars and destroy property after a baseball game, guess what they're called? Rowdy. Blacks torch cop cars after a cop gets away with murder. They're called savages. Why do white some white folks struggle with that when it comes to comparing black people?
2: I'm gonna Chase. let you do this one first, Chase, and then Chase. I'm gonna come in.
0: Okay. To 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 live in
1: America. And, and really, almost to live anywhere in the world, whether you're black or white, you are to some degree a racist, even if, even if it's towards mm. yourself, okay. because uh, uh, white supremacy has so have been so well woven into every fabric of our identities mm. that it makes it very difficult for us to shake it. Right, so. Okay. When we left, when, when black people left slavery, there was no interceding. There was no class that allowed us to go through a process to remove the painful scars and memories and allow, and nor was there time for us to heal from the wounds of being an enslaved uh, a, a, a community of people. Mm. And with that being said, when white people left slavery from holding our people under the conditions of slavery there was nothing to check them to check their behavior to check their ideas to check their attitude they went they didn't even recognize that there was a problem mm-hmm. they submitted because they had to submit mm-hmm. they submitted when you look at the document of Abraham Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation, Proclamation. in his own words, he said, I don't believe that black people are equal. I am only moving in this direction to save the union. So therefore, white people have only functioned in a manner of what was best in their best interest, not in any way, shape or form to really consider what actually has happened. And the beauty of the Black Lives Matter movement, because I'm not just, a critic, I support it also, all right. But I believe that we don't have to support every aspect of anything and yet we, we must be critical of everything. Mm-hmm. The part that I respect about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and I, I respect more of what I don't uh, respect or understand mm-hmm. um, is that it has created a certain level of sensitivity and forced a conversation whether a desired conversation or an undesired conversation, where we can really deal with the psychological impacts of a community who once enslaved another community and continue to create policies around that continued dominance. And in addition to a people who have been completely harmed and destabilized. So, you know, to your point, we're, we're in a space now, this is where we're supposed to all right. We're in a space now where we must do a couple things. things. Right, I'm, I'm, one second. We must, first and foremost, while everybody else is out there saying Black Lives Matter who are supporters of us, who are supporters of us, we must come together and have a centralized plan. Of what we want to get as a result of it. It cannot be a willy-nilly manilly vanilly of, of everybody just doing whatever they think is right so that we can have some semblance in the space that they find themselves in with white people who are who have power. No, we can't do that. It has to be a group of us, all right, nationally and internationally, who see our so I, I, who see our transformation is not nationalistic, but diasporic. Mm, okay All right? Because white supremacy was not uh, 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 the borders of white supremacy is not America. Right. And when you begin to, to go to Liberia, or whether you're in Angola, or whether you are in London, whether you're in Paris, whether you're in Haiti, whether you're in Jamaica, you will see uh, uh, all of the, uh, uh, the, the the fallout, and I'm calling it fallout because it's like nuclear waste, all right? You will see all of the fallout of white supremacy. So therefore, we must begin to organize, not just nationally, we have to organize diastatically and determine exactly what we want as a result of this and determine what is the relationship that we want other people, other cultures, other nations to have with us as a result of this. Other than that, we will lose this moment.
0: Okay, okay.
2: I could not agree more. Yes. And what Chase described was institutional whiteness. Mm. When he talked about, we all are racist in a a certain, um, and I don't even say in a certain aspect, we all are racist. We all have adopted the mindset. It is so entrenched in who we are. And then in everything we listen to, I mean, It is in everything. When we think about what do we passively listen to, it's our music, it's what we are watching on TV and what we're listening to, the images that we see, that all plays into the same um, narrative of whiteness. And until we, and honestly, I had to go through a transformation. Like I said, I had to unlearn certain things that I didn't even see that reflected whiteness. And I had to explicitly call it out and i had to have my friends hold me accountable for it because i would say well why couldn't that person do that they received the same opportunities they came from all those things and i was disconnected from all of the things that i could not see and so now when i'm helping school districts create policies we are explicitly looking at the things that they can't see and so that's why i think that um we definitely are able, if we do it right, to move forward. So, uh, Chase, I agree, it should be an international effort because slavery and white supremacy is an international effort.
0: So let me ask ask this question, right? So we talked about race. Is there something just as a good old-fashioned, and I'll keep it real simple, good old-fashioned human race, you be good to those and and be good to each other as, as human beings, right? Is there such a thing?
2: Well, race is a social construct. It is yes, not sir. real. It is only made real because of the power and the white supremacist construct. There's no possible way that you. What is race? Right? And why did Chase, you want to bless us with why? Where did race come from and why did it start?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, if you plan to, you, 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 you we have to we actually have to go back really and look at what happened with the hittites yeah all right so when we look at the hittites and the hittites invasion on kemet all right we really begin to see our first remi- our our first threads of racism mm-hmm. in those early wars before it actually became a complete theory it became a complete theory about 500 years ago all right but Ultimately, it was a battle of cultures who were without against cultures who were perceived to have it all. Mm -hmm. All right. So we have to understand that racism, in the form that we understand it, comes out of a classical construct. All right. Of Greeks and Romans and Gauls and Celtics and Comitians and the Dogon and, and these ancient classical clashes that happened that ultimately led led to a plan of how do you bring a deprived people, meaning white people, all right? How do we bring a deprived group of people into prominence? Mm. So it was the idea of how to escape the death that they were guaranteed Based upon the conditions that they lived in, that created the mentality of one who would be willing to suppress everybody and everything to survive. All right. So because we've had the opportunity uh to examine white people in a manner in which they have not examined themselves, right? They never had to examine themselves. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, bottom line, if you got if you if you if you have a a, 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 a we call a food stamps, all right? And the unlimited food stamps, you can just keep going to the refrigerator because white people are subsidized people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Their whole world has been subsidized by, by their racism. So they don't understand that their, their whole existence is welfare mm-hmm. because policies and procedures have been put in place to ensure that they have had opportunities and other people have been denied those opportunities. That is welfare. Right? So what I'd like to say is that, you know, this whole idea of, of, of race, you know, it's such a small thing. We, we really have to move to, and this is the challenge of this age and this era, uh, we have to move back into culture. All right? So when you look at the Italian, you don't look at them as a race of white people. You look at them as a group of people who have a dance. Uh, uh, who have a food? Who have a seasoning? Mm. Who have a a, a cultural uh, a way to marry? A cultural yes. way to to, to, to to dissolve marriage. The same thing with people who are in other cultures around the world. So we have to, as a part of, uh, of rethinking racism, is to remove the idea of black, white, Chinese, uh, Latin, Latino. And we have to go back into what cultural community did you originate? And Mm -hmm. that gives you the opportunity to uh, be more in a listening space. Because now when I'm not painting you uh, loosely with the brush of being white, I now give you the opportunity to present yourself in a way that, you know, disputes whatever preconceived notion that I had about white people. Because you're telling me, no, I'm not white. I'm Italian. I'm not white. My grandmother and my grandfather was German. We make out the same thing with us. All right? So we got a lot of work to do. I'll be quiet on that note. So <laughs>
2: I wanna, I, can I just connect what I said earlier to what Chase just said?
0: Absolutely. So he
2: said that white people are a subsidized people. They are a welfare people. That means the taxes that we pay have gone to them my whole point in saying that we have disinvested in our neighborhoods was that when my tech when i pay my taxes local state federal they're not going back to those neighborhoods black people need to be a subsidized people meaning that policies have to be there just like when we talk about redlining the policies help white people we need policies to help black people we we deserve that period i'm not asking for a handout but we deserve policies that help us, and every single civil rights policy that has happened has been fought in court to loosen that policy.
0: Right. Okay. So that's 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 good. That's we had some great conversation. I knew I had the right folks on here. So for those watching and listening, again, this is living a rich life. Um, uh, uh, we're having uh, uncomfortable conversations. We have lanice Stevenson, uh, Derek Chase on the panel. And um, you know we're having some good conversation talking about police brutality. We touched on racism. Uh, we ta- We touched a little bit on equality and, and, and equity and so many different things. Um, let's let's talk about that. When you mention policies, you know what I think of. So I think of American politics. Um, so let's talk about our vote, right? Our vote as um, as the Black community. Where do you feel we are as a whole as it pertains to the upcoming election? in regards to choosing a leader for the next four years. So where do you feel we are as a whole? And when I say whole, I'll say as, as the
2: black community. So my thoughts are independent thoughts, meaning that there are certain thought democratic thoughts that I agree with and ideals, and there are certain Republican ideals that I agree with. Okay. I think that our two party system has ruined a whole lot of things because then by the time we have to vote on someone, I might not want that person. Now, I'm not saying that this year I don't want the person. But I'm just saying in general, (laughs) in general, we don't have, the way the system is set up, I might not want that person. But then I had to choose the the, the one that's not as bad as the other.
0: I heard the term, the lesser of two evils.
2: Yes. So the whole process that gets them there, the primary Mm -hmm. process, and who's running it? Right, and, right. You know, why are the ideals, why don't they reflect the ideals of the people? Mm. They're still elitist ideas often. I mean okay. that's at the local level, at the state, state level, level, at the national level. Same yeah. deal.
0: Okay. I want to I wanna pose this question to you, Chase. Um, between the current presidential candidates, Trump and Joe Biden, who who would Feel, who do you feel would be most likely to adhere to the needs of the black community and why? You, that, is that the question? Yes, the question is between Trump and Biden, who would who do you feel would most likely adhere to the needs of the black community and why? Uh
1: I, I think this, I think in this election cycle, um uh, I, I think it's 50-50, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, you, you you get a little bit more with Kamala because, you know, she's coming out of the struggle, like, literally. Like, you know, people talk about her as being, you know, uh, having uh, the life of an immigrant, but she was raised as a Black woman, period. You know what I'm saying? Went to HBCU. Um, you know, if you listen to her stories, she's reflecting the Black life. Uh, so I think Kamala edges that conversation out because... She speaks from a, a a space of authenticity, uh, just by virtue of her own being. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, it, you know you 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 don't you don't get what you
0: deserve. You get what you negotiate, mm. All right? So you don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate, right? Right. So, so
1: right now, we should be negotiating our asses off, all right? Because we got sixty days to negotiate the best deal. Ever, bruh. Listen, I talked to some white folks, some very rich, billionaire white folks the other day. All right? And I gave them the blues. Right? And I'm not going to get into who it is. And I told them, I said, look, y'all are billionaires. And you can't act as if you earned it all. You cannot. I said, because my grandfather just did not have the same opportunity as your grandfather. You have the responsibility of balancing. This is a real conversation that I have with billionaires in this city. I said, You have to understand that we're not fighting in this race for equality. That was what our parents fought for. We are fighting for equity and we are going to get it. And you must see it as in your interest for us to get it. Mm. All right? So as you begin to evolve from this space of, Black lives matter, and you know um, your democracy to some degree is threatened because of the instability of our push, uh, uh, our push forward. Come, let's hey baby, come to the table. But you gotta come to the table when we leave the table. We're not leaving the table as, as minorities. We're not doing minority deals anymore.
0: Right.
1: We want equal access to everything. Mm-hmm. And in some in some cases. We don't even want equal access.
0: We want more. Because
1: there's a debt. Yeah. All right. And if you can understand that, all right, then we have the opportunity to come together and really uh, uh, emerge as a co- as a country who not only has the wealth, but has the conscience to do it right. And that's where we get into the spiritual idea of the stone that the builder refuses will be the head cornerstone. That's us, but we have to dictate that. And the model of what that looks like does not come out of Oakland. It does not come out of Portland. It does not come out of Chicago. The model of what that looks like comes out of Baltimore. So this conversation, Rich, is in full And in time, what I'm calling for is the Baltimore Area Leadership Summit so that we can create the system, the structure, and the policies that can be duplicated all over the world and all throughout the country to make sure that human beings across the board get what they're supposed to get. I'm gonna put
0: myself on mute. Then I gotta open up the door. Right, right, okay. lanice did, did okay. you want to add? It? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> right, right,
2: right. Sometimes I already know what D' going to say, so I'll be like, D, I'm gonna pass it over to you. Work right. that
0: thing. <laughs> I, I mean, absolutely. I think you know because. That that is a good point, right? Um, So we're in a position now, Baltimore being a major black city to to really make some changes. And this is the opportunity and this is the time to do that. And and you made a really
2: good point that I think we need to elevate. It has to be we have to show it is in the economic interest of people in power for hmm. them to do what's right. When you look at any leadership theories, when you look at leadership transformation, it is all about making sure that people who are in power understand that whatever that changes is, is in the economic interest of them. And that is based on capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. And so if we gotta think the way that the people in power think to outsmart them, and D also made a good point that we have had no choice but to study white people, but they don't know themselves. I sit and train People all day on equity and culture proficiency and race. And the majority, I would say about 90% of them are white people. And they struggle in the beginning understanding what whiteness is. They don't even think that they are like they have a culture because their culture is the dominant culture. You don't have to think about anything. And so when we start to really deconstruct things, initially they feel um offended or guilty and all these other things. I'm like, no, you need to unlearn these things. This is etched in who you are and you have been promoted once again to the highest power. You've been given access because you abide by these rules, these cultural norms. And just being able to have them understand that everything that has gone on in their lives Has been to their benefit even if they grew up in poverty I mean you could talk about everything right
0: right right
2: systems are built for you but then they're like they start to think well does that mean that I got where I got and I am I smart you know they really start to have some self-concept issues because I'll say you gotta really think about that how'd you get into that school was your Mm -hmm. SAT school the best how'd you get there how'd you get that job how'd you get promoted so it really makes them really rethink things. And I say, well, if you got all those things, who's denied access to those things who they may have deserved it? Because we can't be the most intelligent people as a collective. I mean, come on. This doesn't make sense.
0: Right, right. That, if they yeah. deny
2: access. Yeah.
0: I'm gonna that, get off my soapbox. No, no, that's 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 okay. Those are all good points. Those are all good points. Um, so we we're we're again, once again, living a rich life talking uncomfortable conversations, part two. We have Lenise Stevenson, uh, Derek Chase, and the the conversation and discussion has been very um, open. It's been very uh, honest, and uh, I wouldn't say it's been uncomfortable for us, but we've had some back and forth and good discussion. And thats I really think that's what everyone should be doing and having these conversations, um, white, black, Whatever, uh, again, I'll say race, but as human beings, we should have these conversations to have a better understanding of what's happening and why there is such a disparity um, with some folks and how they perceive the black community, mainly. Uh, so let's let's keep let's keep it going. We're gonna keep the conversation going. Um, most recently, um, Jake Jacob Blake. Are you familiar with that incident? Uh, so here at the heels of the deaths of Bashard Brooks, um, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, you know, this, this is just another going back to police brutality. You shoot a man in the back three times in front of his kids. Now, uh, seven times, seven times, my mistake. So in front of his kids, right? So we talk about what gets instilled. Right, they see these officers, these white officers, shoot this black man, and that's part of what they've been taking. So now they're going to be affected by that, most likely in the future. Chase, what are you? What are your thoughts? You have two younger sons. Oh well, I'll, I'll say I'll say a couple of things. All
1: right, we have to understand that we are the most feared human being in this country. When people come in contact with us, they come in contact with us with a preconceived notion based upon white supremacy that we are savage, that we are violent, that we are lawless. All right, that we are uneducated. All right. So when you understand that that is the the window that the world views you, I say don't. Of course, we don't view ourselves that way, but we have to be very, very cautious and understand that our goal is to survive the encounter. Mm. That's our goal. Okay. And when we do things that create an environment for, and these are normal things that we, that anybody else could do, right? But when we do things that create an environment where people who are already fearing for their lives based upon a a, a racist prism that they see see us through, all right, we have to have it as the expectation that they are going to do something that is less than lawful. And with that being said, we have to be on our P's and our Q's because our responsibility is to tell our story and to create and architect a world where that is not the reality. Mm. All right. That is the reality right now. Right,
0: so right, we, right. We
1: cannot allow ourselves to continuously get shot by these mad men, these animals, because that's really what they are. All right. They are savage. All right. We cannot allow ourselves to be, uh, you know, at at, at the hands of a merciless group of savages. Mm -hmm. So there is certain behaviors that we must exemplify. All right. Now, this does not give them an excuse or pass. No. What I'm saying is our first responsibility is self-preservation. All right. So when I come in contact with the law, number one, I know that they are law. So I have to respond to them in a manner in which says in this power dynamic, Mm -hmm. all right, it's not, there's nothing truthful about the power dynamic. But you are in in this untruthful power dynamic, you have all the power. So I'm going to submit to your authority. although. In reality I am not submitting to your authority. I'm allowing my body to go through the motion of submitting to your authority with no, with no uh, with the understanding that it has no impact on my soul. Okay? All right? I'm not giving you my soul. I'm just going to submit my body to you. So I'm going to obey any lawful order from an officer. I'm going to say yes sir, I'm going to say no sir. All right? I'm not going to make any move unless I announce the move. When I come in contact with them, I'm immediately going to call someone, let them know, hey, listen, I am being held at such and such a place. Uh, excuse me, officer, what was your name? Yes, this is, this is the officer. Officer, say hello to my mom. Uh, hey, Hey, officer, I'm going to give you all of that. All right? Because that gives me the best opportunity
0: to come back and fight against it. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Lenise,
2: I agree, man. I-, I absolutely agree. Um, man, I don't know how it feels to be a black man, but I have been, you know, black. Woman. Feels great, baby. You
0: are love it <laughs> <laughs> I, so I, Rich. Am I lying? No, no it's, it's a beautiful oh, thing. It's a beautiful thing. It, it, it is
2: You're a, it a is. black man. in a police encounter. I don't know how uh-huh. beautiful that is. But oh,
0: okay. So I, let me ask this question. Go ahead. So the, so the Jacob Blake, should he have maybe um been more mindful in how he um you know handled that situation? So apparently, again, I haven't seen all of that, but he must have been walking away from the officer to check on his kids. I think that's what I read. Um doesn't warrant again, if you shoot a man in the back, you to me you're a fucking coward to begin with. I um,
2: could I I absolutely agree with that. I did not watch the video. I don't believe that I have to watch a video. Um, right. experience you know that moment um, but like Chase said anytime a police officer is asking you to do something at that point there's a power dynamic he's no longer a you know a citizen he is the law so you have to follow the law whatever it is we are citizens and we are supposed to be law abiding citizens now I agree as well that you have to live to be able to fight against those things and so I've been um, a victim of uh of police racism and all of that. Um, I was in Ocean City and um, the police officer pulled me over, detained me for three hours. My son had to go to the bathroom. It was like four o'clock in the morning, dark. We were on our way to the air show, never made it. And Mm. I was so traumatized by that experience that I was afraid every single time a police car would come near me. What I say that to say, that I cannot make a judgment on that young man because I don't know if he has been impacted by police before and has been traumatized. So I don't know if he was acting out of trauma by an amygdala hijack at that point and that's how he responded. So we we tell ourselves that we have to go above and beyond but then I don't know what the impact was. It took me over a decade To be comfortable enough to have a conversation with an officer without, you know, my adrenaline rushing. And when my adrenaline rushes, I can't think. And then if I think that my kids are going to be harmed, you know, mom comes into effect. You understand what I'm saying? So when we begin to deconstruct that situation, yeah, that's the only thing. That's why I don't want to make a complete judgment because I don't know all of those things.
1: So, and I, I and I would agree. Like you know, it's, that's not to make a judgment. Yeah. Um, am I on mute? No, no, you talking. We hear you. Okay. Not to make an, a judgment on him. What what I'm simply saying is that we're in a very critical uh, time in this country. Like, like literally, like you have a group of people who um, who hate us. And a lot of those people who hate us have found themselves uh, in places where they have the authority to demonstrate. Mm. Like it's very intentional. Right,
0: right.
1: I hate you so much that I'm gonna put myself in position that if I ever had the opportunity to kill you, I will. Right. So, in martial arts, right, you go through your drills and your kata's in preparation for an attack. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So, I already know how I'm going to respond because I practice it. All right. And what I'm simply saying as a part of our policy until we get to the other side is just like a martial artist, we practice our colors of exactly what we're going to say to the police. Mm-hmm. All right. right. How we're we going to hold our body. All right. Whether we're going to turn the light on or not turn the light on. Whether we're going to have our license. Uh, available, license, registration already available. We're going to practice our language, where our chin is, where our hand is, and in and, and, and respect to what is visible to the officer. We're going to practice all those things. And that's not so much uh, a judgment of him, but more so for an education of residents right? right? Because the truth of the matter is, is that I got into, I've been arrested twice. For, I've been arrested three times for that. The first time I got arrested, I was 15 for that. I was 15 in Park Heights. You know how they come. I had broke up a fight, same situation. I broke up a fight on the block. The police was late. At that point in time, my father was locked up. I was the I was the only, I was the oldest child in the house. My mother worked overnight. I had a sister, I had two sisters, and I was responsible for. Them. They showed up late, you know, with dis with with disrespect, uh uh-huh. On their lips. So I was asked to turn my music. I thought he said turn it down. He says he said turn it off. He pushed my sister Kizzy and I pushed his ass down the steps and I got locked out. All right. So that was the first time. The second time, because of that experience at Morgan with Ron Lawrence, I don't know if you remember Ron Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Ron Lawrence, they start harassing Ron. All right, responding to our my last encounter, I said, "Look, y'all out of order. All right, you don't have nothing else to do. And if you didn't have that badge and that gun, I would whip your I would whip your ass. All right." And the guy says, "Okay, I'm gonna take the badge and gun off. So we I'm about to shoot a family one with him." The black officer came and locked my ass up, and I spent my time in Western District. In a cell, is a whole other conversation with a white man, a Chinese man, and me. It was, that's a whole other conversation for another day. All right? The next time I was arrested, I got arrested in New York City. I got in New York uh, for a traffic accident. All right? Um, where I was driving on a suspended license trying to get a job in New York. I was moving to New York. All right? And I had an accident. It was a bad accident. And I went straight to jail. Because I was driving a suspended license, and the man was seriously injured. The next time I went to prison, <laughs> the jail <laughs> was um, was a warrant that was served on me <laughs> based upon uh, the condition of the car that I had the accident on. They served it on me two years. I was supposed to go to court and do something. And I didn't do it.
0: Oh Lord! I paid
1: fine. And they sent 20 officers
0: to my house to serve the warrant. 20. For a damaged car. For a damaged car. The yeah, fifth yeah. time. <laughs> Lord. So what I'm to say <laughs>
1: is that I've had my, I had my last. It had gotten so bad. I was I one point, I got a Mercedes. I used to get pulled out of black Mercedes, four door, a 500 SEL. Uh, I used to get pulled over all the time, right? And it got to the point where I talked to one of, the, one of the, uh these ladies, um, she she was into spiritual practices, um, and she would gave me a prayer, and she said, in the prayer, I would become invisible to all officers of the law. And to that point, and she prayed with me and she
2: circled and sage me and all the other things, and I stopped getting, <laughs> I stopped getting bored. It. All right. I need to pray for my son. He's about to start driving. It I
0: need to pray. like and, and 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 that's a good that's a good segue. And, I know,
1: Rich, you. But here's the last point, and I'm i will be quiet on this note. Right. The reason that I had her to do that was I got pulled over in Washington, DC. And from my vantage point, the officer well, he he made up a story. Rich, I lost it. I called him all out of his name. I was gone, bro. I was gone, and Sheree was on the other end. Calm down, calm down, calm down, please, calm down. I'm like, "Hey, calming down, shit. I'm going to whatever you want to do. This is where it's going down." And that officer looked at me in my eyes, and he saw that I was ready to take it there, bro. Mm-hmm. I was going to take it there without a shadow of a doubt. I was done with them and the whole process. And he said, "Sir," he says, "This looks like this is not a good
0: day for you." You have a good day. And he let me go. Mm. I, I, I I, can see that because, you know, like I said, when you get to that point, folks yeah. you can tell that yeah. it. because yeah. no, it's no longer, you know, a, an officer and, and a civilian. It's now, oh, the wolf is hunting the wolf. So that that becomes a problem. And and, 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 and it gets like that sometimes. So, Lenice, you want to say something? We have uh, roughly uh, uh, two minutes. And there's never enough time. I, I want to say thank you both for joining. Um, but did you want to add into any, any, anything as it pertains to any other conversations that maybe we could talk about in the future or anything at this point in time that we talked about today you want to add to?
2: Yeah, I I would love, um, for us to come back and really talk about, um, the plan that needs to happen. And D, I want you to definitely, um, talk about, um, what you believe we need to do starting in Baltimore, because what I see often is that we're so fragmented um, and that things don't go the way they should. Yeah. And the collective efforts that we should have, we don't. Agreed. And so it, I experience cognitive dissonance every time I think about it. Because I'm like, we have some of the smartest, most talented people here. But then this person is doing this and this person is doing that. How do we bring everything together with no egos involved?
0: Yeah. I, I, I agree. And you know what, Chase? I, I just I just had an idea. You know, you talked earlier and things things are going pretty well. Let's let's um make sure that we talk about um having that dinner because I believe your the garage is open, right? Your your spot is open. Yes sir. Right. Oh it
2: is. Oh I'm coming back. Yeah.
0: And I and I think we're gonna talk about um I think that'd be a good opportunity for me to host a dinner down there and um and make that happen. I know you sent me a message. Oh, yeah, um, I, I definitely feel when I think about all the guests that have been on uh living a rich life and um, here and being exposed uh radio I, I've had some phenomenal guests as everyone continues to to call me and tell me and, and try to get on so I thank you both as former guests and now joining the panel Chase let's talk about that um I'll come over uh should we can cook some food, <laughs> you know. I, I mess with the boys, and uh, I think I owe you a game of chess. But we're gonna make that happen in, in the coming hey, months. Go me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we had a televised chess game, Denise. We you a,
2: did. Yeah, yeah. I to see it. but I would love to watch y'all play.
0: Yeah. So it will definitely be televised. But uh, real, real, real quick, Chase, because I, I got to wrap up. Well, thank you both for joining. Um, I want to definitely say uh, it's been a pleasure. The conversation has been Better than amazing, um Chase. We're going to talk about the, um hosting a party that hosting that—not a party, the, the the chef experience. Yeah, yeah, black chef, black chef, black chef, black. Yeah, yeah, and um we'll also incorporate. I want to incorporate having some of the conversation as to what that plan looks like. Oh, that's, that's, oh, that's, the dollar, that's
1: why we that's why we only have twenty
0: people. Yeah, twenty-two people. You told me twenty-two people, but that includes us. Oh, oh, damn. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to wrap it up again. I want to thank those that's watching and listening. This is Be Exposed Radio. I am your host, Rich James of Living a Rich Life. Um, Continue to watch, continue to listen, continue to be inspired, and um, I want you to be inspired to live a rich life. Until next time, I am taking a week off um, just to kind of get some other things in order, and I'll use that time to, to get some other stuff in order and plan that dinner. So until next time, folks, uh, stay well and stay healthy. I, I, I had that experience. I don't know
1: why they, you know, took it out, but those are the skills that those are life skills, <laughs> you know. But and this is, I'm, I'm and honestly, and I'm a teacher that I teach less and I give more life skills, and that's just that's just how I've had to do it it's frustrating seeing children come into the classroom without basic knowledge of how to be respectful mm. but those things need to be taught at home i should not be mm. teaching you how to fold clothes in second period that's mm. that, right. that's, that's not no no about- i have to <laughs>